Looking to expand your playlist? Well, Fat Lulz Radio has got you covered. Lose your religion with Reverend Jess and Deacon Sam over on the Church Absurd. Hear nerd culture get dissected on the Fickle Fanboy with RPM. Get drunk at the round table with the designated drinkers. Hear solid and interesting interviews on Unseriously Serious. Do you want to get involved? Send your rant over to the League of Infuriated Nerds. Also, check out the Fat Lulz Radio Associated shows. Get your not-safe-for-work talk radio fix on the Robin Slim Show. Get some life advice from Jerry and Cal on From the Bottom. All of these shows and more await you at Fat Lulz Radio. You can find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, and various podcast apps, as well as our website, fatlulzradio.us, HTTP, not HTTPS. We hope you enjoy the smorgasbord of shows we have prepared for you. Fat Lulz Radio, stuff full of entertainment. You're listening to The Fickle Fanboy, brought to you by Fat Lulz Radio. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much! I'll do it again! Finish you! And it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Now you think! <laughs> I'm gonna tell you With a tear in my eye! I'm gonna kick your ass! Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fickle Fanboy. Can 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 you hear me now? Ah, fuck it. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Cause. I am RPM, and this is the Fickle Fanboy. And hopefully we've gone and worked out all the kinks. Because <laughs> we got a doozy for you today, and I don't want you to miss a thing. But before we get started, here's Reverend Jess. My nipples could cut glass right now. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, mine could too, but that's really neither uh, here nor there, nor is it really anything that's new. I mean, uh, but you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> yeah, you fat fuck. Oh, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after, after recording the last time, I went back to edit the shit. I was half hot about the job of the hut joke, so I I owed you a receipt, damn it. Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. <laughs> anyway, uh you know, it's been an eventful uh couple of days uh, since the last time we talked and uh definitely since the last time we recorded, uh I I you know, thinking about what's transpired since the last time we threw one of these out there. I thought of uh, a joke that I've been, I've been meaning to tell you. Okay. Luke Perry, King Kong Bundy, and Keith Flint walk into a bar. Okay. I, I've got n- no uh, punchline for that. I just I, I was trying to figure out how to transition from 
one death to another to another. Yeah, that joke was pretty dead on arrival. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, I had to use bar because if I had just said they walked up to the pearly gates, uh, frankly, that would have been a little too. All right. How about this? How about this? King Kong Bundy, King Kong Bundy, Luke Perry, and who was the other one? Keith Flint from Prodigy. Oh, Keith Flint. So King Kong Bundy, Luke Perry, and Keith Flint are waiting in line. And they're sitting there and they're saying, God, this is taking forever. Is this ever going to end? And the guy in, at the front of the line says, I'm sorry, but we had a school bus crash and there was plenty of dead children, so you're going to have to wait. And then King Kong Bundy says that they've got to the count of five. Yeah. To get their asses through the... Okay, got Exactly, exactly. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, we shouldn't be making jokes about death, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, now, now with Keith Flint gone, who the hell's going to be the fire starter? I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I never really got heavily into the Prodigy. I mean, like, the fat of the land is still, you know, a great, a great album. You know what I mean? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I just never got heavily involved into the Prodigy. And supposedly he was a really nice guy. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. Whenever a celebrity dies, for some reason, all of my friends have great memories of them. You know what I mean? It's just like, when was the last time you thought about the prodigy? But, uh, you know, speaking of dying, what's today's topic for, for, for this episode? <laughs> well, today... You like that segue? I'm pretty proud of that one. Actually, I'm pretty proud of it, too. And uh, it was a perfect one, because today's topic is it actually comics to read, and when I say comics, I mean comic books, graphic novels, whatever the fuck you want to call them, but comics that you should read before you die. Comics you should read before you join Luke Perry. Yes, because, I mean, when I saw what age he croaked at, uh, I gotta admit, it, it hit me that life is short. Yeah, no kidding. How old was he exactly? I want to say 52? I mean, let's be honest, though. That's a pretty long life for someone who was a star in the 90s. Usually they off themselves by 40. I'm good at, I'm good at hacky jokes that are too soon. Like, like, for example, like, okay, so like with Columbine, right? Do you think that like there were there was another kid who was planning to shoot up Columbine and like when Dylan and, and the other one did, you know, the other one actually like shot the place up. He was just so pissed. He was just like, oh, let's fucking do that next week, man. Fucking always the bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't make jokes about I'm, I shouldn't make jokes about Columbine. It really kills the room or at least injures a few people. Well, if this episode doesn't kill the room, I don't know what will. But uh, I I will say that... Death jokes and comics on The Fickle Fanboy. That's, that's a good combination. But frankly, in my opinion, there is nothing that is too soon. I mean, worst comes to worst, you just pull a Gottfried, and when someone says too soon, you know, you just bust into the aristocrats joke, you know, just to really piss people off. <laughs> a talent agent is sitting is that, in your, a... is that your best Godfrey impression? 
no. I, 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 well, yeah, yeah. Mine's a little bit better. No shit. <laughs> you want to hear it? Should I sample it for the audience? Well, I mean, actually, if you're a new listener, I'd tell you just to go to the damned roundtable episode, give us more downloads. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Hot talent agent is sitting in his office. The mother comes in, says, we have an act we want to show you. There you go. Little taste test of Gilbert. And I'm sorry. When I heard the full joke, I mean, and granted, that joke is basically the most beautiful improv ever, if you do it right. Because you can make up anything. The idea of the damn joke, for those that don't know... It's, it's, it's really a filibuster, you know what I mean? Like, how long can you go without repeating yourself? How long, how disturbing you can make it? I mean... Think about what you think is the most disgusting thing you could ever lay eyes on. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole documentary that Penn Gillette was actually, you know, part of. Like he like was one of the producers and directors of it. And it, it talks about the joke and everything like that. It's it's a really interesting documentary because you get to see all these different comedians talking about it and adding their own little spin. There's one guy, I forget who it is, but he uh he does like a card trick while telling the joke, and it's really funny. Oh, fuck. I know who you're talking about, but that is one of my favorite documentaries, and the fact that he followed it up with a documentary all on the word fuck, which Hunter S. Thompson is beautiful in that. Oh, of course. I mean, but then again, that's Hunter S. Thompson. I, I you know, I can't, I can't, sp- in fact, Hunter S. Thompson is actually related to one of the things I'm going to be talking about on this episode, so. Excellent. But anyway, as we tend to do, we just got a little sidetracked, but. I I apologize to the audience. Oh, no, no. Don't worry about them. (laughs) Frankly, there's been many times that I've probably owed them an apology over the years, and those fuckers are still waiting for it, so. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. But it's time to find the road once again <laughs> and right this wrong, as it were. But uh, the first one on my list, which I will say, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you've got. Oh, big surprise. Something you're doing comes up short. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Remember season three? Blow me! <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't blow you. I like a mouthful. Oh, you choke on it, you little fuck. <laughs> You're going to have to thrust pretty deep to make me choke on that thing. <laughs> you big bearded bastard. I'm a bear without the gay aspect. Well, that's to be debated, but... Hey, man, 10 bucks is 10 bucks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, gay for pay, gay for pay, you whore. But! Moving on, let's actually talk about comics now. Whatever. If they if they can't wait, and if they don't have a little bit of patience... But but here's the thing, what if, it, what if they are literally on their deathbed right now, and they, they have to choose one of these comics? Well, and then they've got more problems than a fucking podcast. 
Exactly. So let's not keep them waiting. I guess. All right. Anyway, the first on my list is Transmetropolitan. Have you have you ever read that? You, you motherfucker. That's on my list too. Transmetropolitan, man. That is that. That's what's related to Hunter S. Thompson, man. You know, both of our lists just got a little shorter. That's all that happened. <laughs> well, okay, so so let's let's fucking talk about Transmetropolitan because it, it is you want to talk about fucking taking influence from somebody. Basically, what Transmetropolitan is number one, it was done by Warren Ellis, right? You know, it started in 1997 and it went to 2002. There were 60 issues of it, and basically, it is about a journalist by the name of Spider Jerusalem. And this dude literally is, if you took Hunter S. Thompson out of, out of the you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and threw him into like the fucking future, and boom, you got Spider Jerusalem. The same callous uh, attitude, the same bitter hatred for politicians and, and just the city and people in general. And it's just, it is, I, I have a fucking transmetropolitan tattoo. You know, and it, at the beginning of it all, he's living, you know, kind of almost a hermit lifestyle. He's living the exact life that Hunter S. Thompson was living. Like, literally, he's in the middle of the fucking woods in, like, a total shit shack. <laughs> and he's, you know, he looks kind of like uh, Tom Hanks about a fourth of the way through Castaway. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's clear. He, he w Wilson, like, the inside of Wilson has already been cut open and, like, you know, the strands are coming out that looks like hair. You know, but when he gets a little man makeover, you know, cuts his hair, you know, shaves the beard and all that shit, he does. He looks like the comic version of Hunter S. Thompson. Even down to the, like, the sneer that he has. Yes. And, you know, the effect that he has on the world around him, I have to think that, uh, it's something that Hunter probably always strived for, because yeah. he basically spends the whole run of the series going after just about anything that moves. Yeah, he has his uh his fucking uh the panel that he writes for the newspaper is called "I Hate It Here," and it's just it's fucking brilliant. Like, okay, I have to ask you this: what what would you say is your favorite issue of it? Because I, I know what mine is, and it's very early on in the run. And see, I can't remember the number issue, but I would have to say that I, I have two that I really enjoyed reading. Either when he goes after the, I can't remember if it was an aide or it was someone who works for the guy running for president, and he goes after him for being just this sleazy pedophile just absolute i mean he he basically outs him on every fucking level personal and professional yeah and, and it's just like i don't know something about the way he does it and the shitstorm that follows it is um it was just enjoyable to read oh for sure yeah do you want to know what my my favorite is absolutely and it is it is such a simple issue, but goddamn, it like totally it perfectly represents what Transmetropolitan is. And it is in you know, like I said, it's very early on in the run. 
and it's the episode where Spider sits in his apartment watching television. Okay. Like literally, like that's that's the whole issue is him sitting in his apartment, and you 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 see what type of like programming is out there. You know what I mean? And it's just like think of think of typical dystopian future. Like what would be on Fox if the world was going to shit? And that's perfectly what it is. It's just like and and it's just there's a great a beautiful fucking image that if I. If I had the ability to, I would blow it up to full size and have it printed on a fucking tapestry and hanging up here in the Fat Chapel. And it's literally a shot of him sitting in the chair. The two-faced cat is sitting on the arm of the chair. And he's just got that evil-looking sneer that he has and it just says and he just says give me information. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just I love it. I love it. And, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to get into too many spoilers just because I do want people to read these. You know what I mean? But let me just say that, like, the best line that, you know, sticks with me is, and this this just perfectly represents how much of a bastard Spider Jerusalem is. He ends one of his columns with, if you loved me, you'd all kill yourselves today. <laughs> and, you know, I- like that, that envelops Spider Jerusalem perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it really fucking does. And as much of a jackass as he is throughout the whole damn thing, I will say you're absolutely right. He is the epitome of all bastards. And it re- he really ups his game once he gets diagnosed by the doctors with the incurable illness. Yeah, I can't remember if they even gave it a fucking name, but well, just regardless, regardless, don't get like I said, don't get into too many spoilers because I do want people to read this and oh, not know what to expect because literally you won't know what to expect when you first start reading this fucking thing. No, but when he gets that diagnosis and then just ups his game in going after who he's going after, you know, it's almost like he said, "Well, shit, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging." No kidding. And you know what? That's very similar to what, you know, how Hunter S. Thompson lived his life, you know? Yeah, and the other thing that I love is the artwork. Oh, yeah, the artwork's beautiful. Yeah. You know, for me, it's somewhere between when DC... Because this this was all put out by... I mean, it it kind of teeter-tottered between Vertigo and... uh, Helix covered the initial run, and then when Helix shut down, Vertigo took over. And, like, the trade paperbacks you get today are put out by Vertigo. So, when you go searching for it, because you really fucking should, literally, once you read Volume 1, you will be hooked. I promise you. Absolutely. You know, I, mean, I was hooked within the first few frames just because of the artwork, though. Because it's somewhere between DC when DC is on their fucking game. And the same kind of artwork that you would see... Are you familiar with Pearl Jam's Do the Evolution music video? Yeah, but, but, but I, would, I would say with the color scheme and with the art style, especially you look at, like, I, I, think, it's, um, I think it's volume four, The New Scum, where, you know, it's just the shot of, like, Spider looking down on the city, like the big crowd of people. And he's got like the the binoculars on, like it's the front cover, and it looks like the 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 art style and stuff is very similar to a Where's Waldo book, 
And like I I I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but like I mean that in a positive. He just puts in a lot of detail. It's not Blade Runner future, but it's very industrial. It's kind of like RoboCop future. Yeah, I could see that. But with a lot more color. You know what I mean? A lot of, lots yeah. of greens, lots of oranges. Absolutely, absolutely. Search for it and don't fucking stop till you find it cuz uh Yeah, and, and the good thing is if you go on Amazon, a lot of people are selling used trade paperbacks of, you know, of the volumes. You know, it's always say you always have a safe bet buying a used trade paperback because if you don't like it, most of the time you're only going to be spending like $3 on the trade paperback. So, don't don't immediately go for the omnibus because you don't you're not you know, you may not be sure if you're going to like it. So, just test it out with volume 1. And like I said, you will be hooked. I promise you. It's an, it's an incredible book. But you are not going to be disappointed when it comes to this book. It is, you know, the, it's got that, that great satire. And not to mention that, like, you know, like I said, it's worth it alone for Spider Jerusalem. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but next on my list, and I'm hoping I'm going to hit one that you don't have on your list eventually. But V for Vendetta. You know, V for Vendetta is not as secret, I guess. Like, because of, because of V for Vendetta becoming a movie, and the meme that was born out of the movie with the Guy Fox mask, which became, like, the symbol for Anonymous. Yep. It's, you know, I'm a, I'm a little less worried about giving spoilers here because, you know, most, most people have seen the movie. But it's important to read the comic book because the comic book is set 20 years previous to where the movie takes place. You know what I mean? So the future portrayed in V for Vendetta, the comic book, you know, by the way, if you don't know, put out by Alan Moore. Which who, I, I am just... Uh, I mean, Alan Moore is, is responsible for arguably the greatest graphic novel in Batman history with The Killing Joke. And uh, he's also responsible for a very respectable Swamp Thing run. And not to mention that he penned Watchmen. He also created something that, that, was, that was canon until the New 52, which was Barbara Gordon being paralyzed. And here's the thing. Like Watchmen, it is not done with characters that are pre-existing. You know what I mean? Like, like it is an original work. Yeah, it basically starts from scratch. Yeah, so basically, you know, with the V for Vendetta and even Watchmen, because he created these characters from scratch, he was able to define them. You know what I mean? Where, where something like the Killing Joke or the Swamp Thing run, those are pre-established characters. So basically, he has to work within their constraints, and it's better when it's you know his original stuff because he's able to just explore and experiment and do shit, you know, like that. So you have V for Vendetta, which not only not only resonates to basically the anarchist and the, you know, the, the contrarian type of belief system. I mean, the, the, the line is, you know, uttered very, very well in the movie and in the comic book, which is people should not be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid of their people. And because of that, it carries a, a definite political pertinency. Not to mention that, like, like it, it basically, like, it, it kind of predicted the future. Because it, it came out in the 90s. And when it came out, it predicted a future that was closer to, you know, the early 2000s. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. 
and it predicted, you know, someone like uh, the guy who runs the television show. Tell me that's not Bill O'Reilly before Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly you know or I mean? Sean Hannity even. I mean, like, like that's the thing. It, it's literally, it's just, it's interesting how he predicted, so, you know, things like that where, you know, because people will live and die by what, you know, someone like Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity will say. And it's, it's because of the invention of the internet. Now it's even worse because you have like these people like Ben Shapiro or, um, you know, fucking not, uh, not Alex Jones, but, uh, Steven Crowder and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like people that really, you know, a lot of people will blatantly focus on and, and, and that's not just on the right side. That's on the left side too. You know what I mean? You went into great detail of what this comic really brought to the table. Yeah, and sure. That's great because in my notes, uh, all I had was V for Vendetta because I feel that there are too damn many people who have just seen the fucking movie and even in just 10 issues, there is so much more that could have been explored. That's literally all I had. Well, you, took- you also have to factor in that uh, some of the more darker shit has to be toned down for a, a cinema audience. You know what I mean? Because the thing, the the downside of when you adapt something from comic book to movies, right? The movie theater is some place that everyone goes. The comic book shop is not. You know what I mean? For me, especially now that they've tested out rated R comic book material, I I still say that I feel the whole idea of let's not go too far it really depends on how you go there no it's not even it's not even not going too far it's some characters do not play to mainstream audiences okay i'll take uh, yeah i'll I'll concede to that look at what they did to the punisher oh god i i don't want to but what i'm saying is netflix's punisher is not the comic book punisher Basically, you look at the two seasons of The Punisher that are on Netflix, right? It is literally the same story, which is he reluctantly gets pulled into something after completing his quest for revenge. It's, it was never about revenge for The Punisher. And like we'll get more into that because I have, I have some Punisher stuff on my list here. Good, because I would love to talk a little bit more about that, so we'll do that you want, in a second. Do you want to move on from, from V for Vendetta and we'll talk Punisher? Because I could talk Punisher. But you talked about the Netflix series as much as I loved the Netflix series and as much as I actually feel that when comparing... Marvel movies and even Marvel TV shows, because you have uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. out there, when comparing yeah. those things to what Netflix did with their Marvel-related entities, to me, personally, it's like day and night. And I wholeheartedly love and actually prefer what Netflix did with all that shit. However, I will say... You're absolutely right in everything you just said about what they did to Punisher. And I'm not saying what they did with Punisher. I'm saying what they did to him because they dropped... I will cover they, this. They, they I will dropped cover the ball this, I hard you. and go on. Okay. 
So what I have on my list, mm-hmm. okay, and and this is not only going. First off, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the two indie things that I have from him on here, and and the Vertigo thing out of the way because you know like Garth Ennis. All right, Garth Ennis is my favorite author when it comes to comic books because he does not pull any punches. On my list alone, I have three things. You know, I well, I mean, three things that aren't the Punisher by Garth Ennis. Okay. Number one is The Boys, all right? The Boys was put out by Dynamite. Well, it was originally from another one, but then it moved over to Dynamite from 2006 to 2012, and it's about a special CIA task force that's assembled to take on superheroes. Like, they're given genetic upgrades, and their their job is to fuck up superheroes that are out of line. Funny enough, The Boys is actually getting a Cinemax series pretty soon that I'm really excited about. At least it was going to be on Cinemax, now it's going to be on Amazon Prime. But anyway, regardless, I'm fucking excited for it. The second thing that I have on my list from Garth Ennis is Preacher, right? It was put out by Vertigo. Son of a bitch! And That's on my yeah. list too! Okay, Fuck well let's talk, about, let's talk about Preacher real quick. Preacher is the story of Jesse Custer, who's a criminal who's down on his fucking luck. He decides that he's going he's gonna to go straight, go legit, so he takes over his father's church. Then, while he's giving a sermon, he gets infested by this force called Genesis, which allows him to control people and tell them to do something, and they have to do it. They have no choice. So if he looks at you and says, put a gun in your mouth and fire, you will do it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Meanwhile, you have two angels that are trying to get this force back from him. And the saint of killers, who is essentially this fucking demonic cowboy that's searching after him. Right? Yeah. And Preacher was actually made into an AMC show. Very different from the comic, but still very enjoyable. I love Preacher, the television show. I love Preacher, the comic. But uh, if you've seen the TV show, and only the TV show, just be prepared for the differences. Punisher, uh, not Punisher, Preacher is a must, a must read. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No, and, you know, we talked about the art for uh, Transmetropolitan. There isn't much, because for each of my picks, I tried to find a way to really describe the artwork in its own way. Uh, and I, I couldn't think of anything for Preacher, because it's, it's, it is individual to just Preacher. There's nothing like it. Well, there's a lot of... Uh... When it comes to like the art style of Preacher, it's not it's not cartoony. It's very realistically drawn, yeah. brilliantly by Steve Dillon, and it is like there a lot of the color schemes, a lot of a lot of browns, a lot of Western style influences. But then you have sudden bursts of color that really work well to uh, you know carry the story along. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. Like, it's, it, it's, it's very, very, very cool. But uh, the, the other thing from Garth Ennis that I have is, and this one, this one is not for everyone, and I will be the first to admit that. It is a comic book done by Avatar Press. Like, it's put out by them, and it's called Crossed. Crossed is basically Garth Ennis's take on a zombie apocalypse. It is extremely gory, extremely violent, and extremely vulgar. Uh, but basically, it's about this outbreak that these... And these aren't like your typical zombies. The reason it's called crossed is because it forms a rash on their faces that is cross-shaped. And 
this this shit is like just Google crossed Garth Ennis and you will see some of the shit that comes up. I mean, there are children being thrown into a meat grinder. You know what I mean? Like it is it's brutal. So it's not for everyone. But if you are into extreme horror, definitely check out crossed. But moving on. The Punisher. Garth Ennis was responsible for four very standout Punisher things, okay? Number one, he was responsible for the Welcome Back Frank series, which heavily inspired the 2002 uh, Spaghetti Western type movie of The Punisher with Thomas Jane. He also wrote uh, the Punisher Max series and its prequel, Punisher Born. And he was responsible for Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe. So basically, you know, the, the, Punish, the Welcome Back Frank series and the Punisher Max series are very, very, very well done. And it really shapes and, and really lets you understand who the Punisher is. You know, the Marvel Knights series Punisher, you know. And uh, that also in, influenced the Punisher Warzone movie from 2008 with Ray Stevenson playing Frank Castle. Which, as far as a comic book movie, it stands out because it is a very good representation of, of who the Punisher is. And that's the thing. That's why I think it was so poorly received because of the point I'm about to make now. Okay. Frank Castle is not the way he's portrayed in the Netflix show. They got him somewhat right in the second season of Daredevil where he was killing people that were connected to, you know, the death of his kids. But the thing is in the Punisher Born series, uh you know, it's a you know, the prequel to uh the Punisher Max series. It shows his time in the army. And Frank Castle enjoys killing. He is not this this character they put him out to be in the Netflix special, which is basically another version of Wolverine. Like, that's basically what he is. And in Punisher Born, it shows this time where he's essentially trapped by himself after all of his squad mates are killed. And he goes on a rampage that leaves the entire village that he's in burned to the ground and him covered in blood looking demonic he's the only survivor he kills everyone and he has this lust for killing and he has this lust for war so when the war is over and he has to be this family man it drives him absolutely insane and then when his kids are killed he is given essentially a new war to fight and that's the thing. Someone who blatantly enjoys killing is not something that's going to cater to the mainstream audience. Like, that, like even in the case of a horror movie, like, notice Freddy Krueger wasn't all, like, he was terrifying for, like, the first three movies. And then for the rest of them, he was making one-liners and quipping and stuff like that. And, you know, doing the weird power glove shit and shit like that. Because... <laughs> power glove. Oh, God, I forgot about that yeah. part. You forgot about the power glove! <laughs> right? But, uh, but, yeah, literally, you can't market that without it being a blatant horror movie. 
it like the Punisher does, you know, the Punisher is very, very, very fucking violent, but it works better as a case study because you're, you're sitting there and the Punisher's not a good guy. He doesn't, he's not, he's not the kind of guy that, you know, like Wolverine is in, you know, Logan. He's not like that. And that's what they tried to make him out to be in this Netflix show. That's not the case. The Punisher is a fucking monster. And it shows in the Punisher Max series. It shows in Welcome Back, Frank. And it shows in Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, which is sort of like an Elseworlds type of deal, where instead of the mafia killing his family, it's his family are killed during a superhero battle. So he decides to literally kill everyone in the Marvel Universe, including himself. You know, I, I'll say this. As horrible as the movie was, his love, or at least affection for violence, is one thing that Punisher Warzone got right. Wait, what do you, wait, hold on, what do you mean as far as as bad as the movie was? What was wrong with that movie? It was horrible, it was almost painful for me to watch. Are, are you talking about Warzone, or are you talking about the Thomas Jane Punisher? No, I'm talking about Warzone, although the Thomas Jane... You're fucking wrong. You're fucking wrong, dude. Punisher Warzone is perfect representation of the Punisher in the comics. You want to talk about a faithful comic book movie? That right there is a faithful comic book movie. Wh- where, is it, where is it not representative of the comics? I mean, it, it was faithful to the comics in much the same way... That visually, Dick Tracy was fucking faithful to its comic books, but it doesn't necessarily make it right because Jigsaw. Oh, what the what the fuck? I mean, J- what do you Jigsaw mean? was so fucking. You want to talk about the quips and the one-liners and the the campiness of fucking Freddy Krueger, and then you want to say that Jigsaw wasn't? Yeah. I, um, I, I, He's fucking full of himself. What do you expect? I, I, I want some of whatever you're smoking. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Jigsaw is fucking full of himself. Of course he's going to make stupid-ass one-liners. Not to mention that him losing his fucking beauty is what makes him go nuts. And he has a history of mental illness in his family with Looney Bin Jim in that movie. <laughs> Which I, I will say, casting-wise, when... They cast uh, Looney Bin Jim. They got it right for that. But everyone yeah, else... Percy Wetmore. Uh, although, the rest, I'm sorry. Everyone was just a little bit over the top in their portrayals of their respective characters. Look at the goddamn violence in The Punisher. It's all over the top. The violence, maybe, but the portrayals of the characters themselves? I... I'm sorry. I, I much prefer... Real world, real people with real problems. Although, again, Netflix dropped the fucking ball and then stomped on it with everything else around those people. But when it comes to the characters themselves, it was... <laughs> I just... Fucking wrong. You're wrong. Wrong. You know, you know what? You know, fucking... Wrong. R- wrong. 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 <laughs> oh man i don't know but what i'm saying is the punisher series by garth ennis welcome back frank specifically and punisher kills the marvel universe need to be read need to be read to fully understand the punisher character hands down i you know i 
we may disagree about the movie, but I will say that uh, when it comes to what needs to be read to fully understand him, you're absolutely right. Like, that's the thing. Just because it's not well done as a movie does not mean that it's a bad Punisher movie. Uh, yeah, I get And, you know, to say that it's a bad movie it's is what one I'm, thing. It's what I'm, to say it's a bad yeah, comic book movie of... is another. So I, I'll give you that. And, and I guess maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I, I've just kind of looked at him differently. Because, truth be told, Punisher, the Punisher is one of my favorite characters of all time. I've been reading Punisher comics since well before my teens. But it, I just feel like there is a difference between staying true to the comic book source material, which I've always stated on this show is fucking important as hell. I, but I feel that there's a difference between staying true in the way that you say that they stay true in Warzone and staying true to it in, say, a more Christopher Nolan-esque I feel like they stayed true to the comic books there. And look at what he did. He took bits and pieces of all these fucking different comics and just kind of intertwined them and meshed them together in a beautiful way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I mean... feel that, uh, in hindsight, <laughs> I still don't feel that Warzone did the same for Punisher. To compare those two fucking movies, man, or is it's apples and oranges, man. Like you, you to you to compare Christopher Nolan's Batman movies to Punisher Warzone is is it's it's completely unfair on both. On both <laughs> I, I will say it, it is completely unfair, dude. Seriously, that's like that's fucking that's like comparing Schindler's List to fucking like Iron Sky. It just it's two different types of movies, man. It's like comparing Schindler's List to the fucking Rocketeer, in my opinion. But you get my point. Like it's just, it's I don't yeah, know. And, and, anyway, and, we're not and, talking movies. We're not talking movies. We're talking no, comics. And and just to be clear, in my analogy, Warzone was the fucking Rocketeer. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, fuck off. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, two out of my three picks so far. Uh, well, look. To be fair, uh, you know, let me give you your say. Did you have any others on your list that you wanted to go through as far as uh, Punisher and anything else right now? Not not Punisher, but uh, I have an interesting one that I think you'd be interested to hear about. Okay, bring it on. This one is uh, it's from King Tractor Press in 2007. Okay. And it's by a guy named Sean Granger. And it is the series Family Bones. There's two volumes of it. And it's, you know, it was put out in 2007. And it's based off of real-life serial killers Ray and Faye Copeland. Really? Now, you... You may be thinking, like, okay, well, why does this stand out? I think I, I, think I know why, but go on. I am related to Ray and Faye Copeland. Uh, Ray and Faye Copeland, basically, Ray was, uh, he was running, like, a bad check scheme, basically. Like, he'd go to auction houses, and he'd bid on cattle, and they'd write some bum checks. Well, eventually, he got fucking banned, you know, because every single check he'd write would fucking bounce. And uh, he started uh, hiring drifters to work on his farm. Then he'd take them to the auction house. He'd sit in the back, signal to them when you know to when to bid on some cattle. He'd write out bum checks in their names, and then when they got banned from the auction house, he'd take them out to the fucking barn and shoot them in the goddamn head. 
And then he'd bury them on the neighboring farms. Well, I mean, at least he had the sense not to bury them on his own fucking land, I guess. I mean, see, see, that's the thing. You would think, like, oh, yeah, he was a smart cookie. But here's the problem. Hey, hey no, his nothing, wife, nothing that you've said so far really portrays him as a smart cookie yet. So go well, on. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Faye kept the drifters' clothing in a closet with their names on them. Well, that's, that's just good fashion sense. I don't know. And she also that. made a quilt out of the dead drifters' clothing. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is so yeah, I don't know what to do. So, with that one. right, so get this, right? Sean Granger is related to them as well, so that means he's 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 related to me in a way. And he put out two comic books about their life, and you know, basically like staying with them and stuff like that. And it's just it's 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 some good shit. So I definitely recommend reading that. Excellent, excellent. And the uh, the other one I wanted to throw out there. If you like horror comics, and if you like uh, the Batman New 52 run, you should check out Severed by Scott Snyder from Image Comics in 2012. Scott Snyder was responsible for the New 52 Batman run. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a graphic novel. It's about a 12-year-old boy who runs away from home to find his father. And he meets a traveling salesman who is actually a serial killing monster that eats children. It's a it's a great it's a great horror novel for sure. Yeah, damn. And definitely and definitely like if you like Scott Snyder's work with the new 52 Batman run and like if you very like American Vampire from from Vertigo, you definitely dig Severed. I'll just check that out cuz that that is one uh, you know, finally we hit one that I have not read yet. Yeah, it's it's got the same type of feel from like uh, Road to Perdition, but like imagine something like Road to Perdition, but then throw a monster into it. It's fucking dope. Which that's one of my favorite movies. So uh, I'll have to fucking. That's actually, and that was a graphic novel. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, that that one uh, we covered. That one was on your list. It, two out of the last three of my fucking picks have been on your fucking list. So fuck it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What about some Batman stuff? You know, I'm always down for Batman stuff. None of, surprisingly, because I wanted to kind of think outside the box and pick ones that my listeners probably well, we, didn't we, see we, coming. We, so I didn't go with any talked Batman about, shit. Well, we've talked about some indie darlings. You know what I mean? And let's talk about some interesting Batman runs, okay? The first one I wanted to bring to the table is Batman Fortunate Son by Gerard Jones and Gene Ha. That's a good one. That's a good one. Have you read it? Yes. Okay. For the audience... There's not much... When it comes to Batman, there's not much that I haven't read, but yes. Okay. So, so for the audience, um, Batman Fortunate Son is about Batman and Robin searching for this, um, this like rock and roll musician. And basically what it reads like is essentially anti-rock and roll propaganda. And it's fucking hilarious because apparently Two-Face really likes Metallica. Which, I mean, come on. Look at him. Of course he does. And I think the Riddler likes uh, the Rolling Stones. Two-Face probably likes new Metallica, but, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Two-Face loves St. Anger. He's the only... Oh, he's the one! Yeah, he's the one. Oh. 
He's the one dude that paid for it and then uploaded it to Napster. Oh, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. Yeah, it is, I grew up loving him as a, a villain, but fuck him now. Yeah, and basically it's about Batman having to keep Robin from the influence of rock and roll, and it's so fucking stupid that you just have to read it. Which, I mean, there's a fair amount of those, too. I, I will, I'll say that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, another one, another great Batman Dra- Dracula trilogy that I think everyone should read. Red Rain, Bloodstorm, and Crimson Mist. It's by uh, Doug Mensch and Kelly Jones. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's fucking Batman facing off against Dracula. And Batman actually gets bitten by fucking Dracula and turns into a vampire. It was done in the Elseworlds series. And the Elseworlds series is actually also uh, responsible for stuff like Gotham by Gaslight and Batman Houdini. Which, those those two, you know, uh, at least Gotham by Gaslight. Well, that's the thing. The bat, like the the Batman and Dracula trilogy, is really fucking good. Like it, it is. It, like I put Fortunate Son in there just as like a lol cow, but the Batman and Dracula trilogy is actually really enjoyable. Yeah. Another good one is, um, and this one, this one is responsible for the main storyline of actually Arkham Asylum, the the game. But Arkham Asylum: A Serious House on Serious Earth by Grant Morrison. That is a great one, and we'll we'll get to that in a different episode uh, about something yeah, completely just, just unrelated. Long, but yes, that's a great one. Yeah, j- just long form, long form. You know, we'll talk like we'll talk about oh, it. Yeah. But just basically, like to sum it up, it, it's basically about Batman responding to some shit at Arkham Asylum, and it's 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 basically a, a very cerebral read. Like it it delves into the darkness of uh, Batman's mind and his fears and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Batman's very conflicted in it, and it's, it's just, it's a fucking great read, and not to mention the artwork is very interesting in it. Um, the next one I wanted to cover is not a Batman story, just a single Batman story, but it is actually a Justice League story, and that's Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kingdom Come, basically, it's it's done in the Elseworlds. Basically, the the ones you should really read are the Elseworlds. You know what I mean? Just because, like, they're so interesting and it's so cool to see. Because, like, not not to mention that, like, shit like uh, Stan Lee's What If series was done in the Elseworlds trilogy. You know, like, like stuff like that, where he did essentially his own take on uh, DC characters. And it was fucking, it was fucking cool. Yeah, and the, uh, the CW really just kind of fucked up the Elseworlds from that long ago. Fuck them. I don't. I don't care. It's. 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 We're not talking about DC as far as like television or movies because we. It just depresses me to think yes, about. Yes, it does. However, it really fucking does. However, Shazam looks fucking sweet. I don't care what anybody says. I. You know. Um. It really depends on the day when you ask me exactly what I think about fucking Shazam. I mean, there are days where I'm all for it, and then there are days where I'm just. Oh fuck that! I shit. just I, all I want, all I want is it to be fun and entertaining. If it's fun and entertaining, I will leave the theater a happy person. Uh, we'll we'll get to your whole opinion on you know things just needing to be fun and entertaining and so on and so forth. Probably next week uh, when we cover. Well, wh- we're going to cover movies that should never be remade ever, 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 fucking ever. Yeah, and you know, even some that should have been made, but yeah. But but here's the thing: it'd be like I'm done as far as the DC movies. I'm done looking for 
like extremely well well made movies. I'm just done looking for them uh, because they're not going to happen. So I feel the same way. As as long as Shazam is entertaining, that's all I care about. Because like that's the that 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 would be the difference between Shazam and Justice League. Because Justice League, throughout the entire watching period of it, I was fucking bored. I I was too. And uh, as far as uh, you're just being over it, I feel the same way about, and and this is going to piss off a lot of people, but the Marvel Universe as a whole. And if you listen real carefully right now, you hear a whole bunch of fanboys crying out in anger and their face melting. But I... I drink your tears. I loved it. Yeah, I, I mean, in all honesty, like that's that that was the difference between Deadpool and Logan, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other Marvel, Marvel movies, or even even and even the X Men movies. Yeah. Is I had fun watching Logan. I had fun watching Deadpool, and Logan is actually the to me the one superhero movie that deserves an Oscar. It's well acted. It's tragic. It's 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 amazingly shot. But then you compare that to like Black Panther, which is the superhero movie that was nominated for Best Picture, and it's just another Marvel movie. I I disagree with you on a, a, some level, but I will say it it's much closer to a fucking just another Marvel movie than some give it credit for. But in my opinion. When it comes to Marvel movies, it is the one outside of maybe something like Logan, which I I never suspected that they were going to give Logan its due. But I, I feel like as far as mainstream ones that really get eaten up and get the most attention paid to them, I felt like uh, of all of them, Black Panther was has been the most deserving one to get nominated for anything. But I do agree with you that when comparing those two, it's a shame that one got nominated for something and the other did not. I feel like they I'm both. Saying, I feel like, like they both, in their own right, deserve to get nominated and win. In fact, for that matter, and you know, you may disagree with me as far as Black Panther goes, and some may disagree with me when not, it comes to either one of them. But I don't fucking care. <laughs> I'm just saying, like the acting is the acting is is not anything extraordinary. the 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 CGI is is just it, it's like it, it's just a CGI fest and everything like that. Which I, I, I disagree like, with you on the acting in some <laughs> on some level. Michael B. Jordan was amazing in that, and actually, for but, me, but, but but he was just as good a comic book villain as Heath Ledger was, and in my opinion, the only reason Heath Ledger got the nod was because he fucking died just right before it. I agree. I agree with that. I, I don't, I, I, it, as far as what was considered for Best Supporting Actor that year, I think it should have gone to Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. You know what I mean? Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. But the I, what I'm saying is not not basing it off of what the Oscars has become. I'm basing it off of what the Oscars is founded on. In, in my opinion, the whole argument of that's not what it was founded on is a bit neither here nor there. Because, I mean, everything has its own right to be able to evolve over time, no matter what you're talking about. 
But I also feel that <laughs> in many ways, maybe it's just kind of broaden its scope, you know? It, it's just kind of widened its stance. And, you know, as far as fucking Deadpool and shit like that, I never expected that thing to even get looked at. You know, it's... um. Yeah, but you but you see the point I'm trying to make. Like, it, it, like I love the thing Deadpool, is, but Logan it just doesn't deserve to get looked yeah, at as far as the academy. But 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 you yeah, you get my point. Like my point that I'm making is that Logan transcends from being a Marvel movie into being an an amazing film. You know what I mean? It did something that Black Panther did not do. You know, and I guess uh, again, you know, uh, it's it's the same. It's the same thing with Star Wars, dude. On. It's the same thing with Star yeah, Wars. I'll, you know, I'll give you that Star Wars encompasses that, but but the point I'm trying to make is that it wouldn't. It it doesn't transcend its brand. Okay, so basically, like you have to, in order to stand out. To me, I think in order to stand out from your brand, you need to essentially transcend your brand. And make it so you're not just a good Marvel movie or a good Star Wars movie. You need to be a fantastic film. Like that's that's why that's why you don't see Fast and Furious Seven nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's not it's just it's not real. You know what I mean? Because it does not transcend the the brand. It doesn't. You know, F- Fast and Furious Seven. As far as a movie, the only reason people give a shit about it is because it's Fast and Furious. And I, I'll tell you this: I will like wa- I watch Fast and Furious Seven, and I feel nothing. You know, and it's the same thing with most Marvel movies. I don't care. Like when when everybody gets zonked in uh, Infinity Wars, you know what I mean? Yeah. It does not affect me. It doesn't. Like I like I it 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 has to envelop me personally in the movie for it to stand out to me, and you know bias does play a bit into that. You know what I mean? Like no, for example, really? yeah, like that. But what I'm saying is like it, it, to me, in order for a film to stand out, it has to envelop me, and it has to get to the point where you when you reach the emotional climax, it doesn't have to manipulate me to get me there. You know what I mean? Like that's that that's the thing. It's just. It is you what know, it is. I, I had uh, V for Vendetta and you know certain other ones on here because I, I felt like too many people had seen just the movies and hadn't given the comics a read and the comics had so much more going for them. And uh, I actually have uh, Akira on here just because I feel that it needs to be read before the movie comes out because otherwise if more people that are probably going to go fucking see that movie don't have at least some knowledge of what the comic books hold within them. It, it It's going to yeah. land right there with the rest of those that fucking, you know, sure. should have been read, but agreed. Agreed. But you know, that's, that's just the nature of the yeah. beast. But what's good is because there's a movie coming out, more people well, will I read hope. it. I hope. I mean, you know, it, they will, they will. That's just a fact because that's the same reason that's the reason that they put on the front of shit now uh, soon to be a major motion picture or now a major motion picture is because it like people will see that and go, Oh, well I better read this. You know what yeah. I mean? But it is yeah. what it is. Let's get back to yes. comics. 
I feel like Alex Jones constantly fucking apologizing. But... <laughs> Don't worry about it. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'll go ahead. The frogs are fucking gay. Uh, I'm sorry. The globalists are, 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 are manipulating the mainstream media to the point where, you know, uh, you, you, you have uh, the aliens that are living in the hollow earth that was caused by Hitler opening a paradox. Uh, it, it's just, it's at a point where the globalists are going to move in and, uh, you know, I'm not going to fucking take it. Excuse me. I apologize. This is a Christian show. I haven't sworn on the air in 25 years. Yeah. But, uh, next up on my list is, uh, a hundred bullets. Oh, fuck. Yes. hundred bullets. Yes. Good, good choice, man. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I would have thought that any of these were, but, uh, I, I appreciate but your... what I'm saying is like. Like hundred bullets is what's what's great about hundred bullets is anybody can just pick it pick up any issue of it and just and just enjoy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you want to talk about one that's easily accessible. It doesn't matter what like volume of the trade paperback you have, because it's very much an anthology series, it's, and it, it needs to be because it's such a broad story, in my opinion. I mean, you you go yeah. from basically just this story this tinier story about agent graves who fucking goes around basically enabling others to be able to get revenge on whoever the hell in their life has uh gone and wronged them by giving them fucking a, a gun and a hundred bullets and saying listen this shit is all untraceable it's got both of the basic plot lines, which is, you know, stranger comes to town and hero takes a journey. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, the character himself is very, you know, uh, of the agent is very secretive. But what's interesting is like each character that, that receives the briefcase, they each have their own individual stories. And it's really interesting. It would make a great, it would make a great television yes, show. Yes. Uh, you know, it, what with the whole fact that I mean, you have Agent Graves, and then he was also part of the Minutemen, which is just yeah. controlled by the Trust. That is pretty much, in my opinion, nothing more than like an Illuminati kind of set of families. Yeah, it's typical typical secret society. Yeah, I mean, really, it really is. And it's, I mean, ever since the moment that it started in 1999. I just felt like it has to be a show because, I mean, it really doesn't have more than, what, about a dozen or so issues. However, yeah. I feel that the story in itself, you could start just in, you know, I guess I'll put it on your terms, in almost a Warzone-like way, staying absolutely true to the comics, to the T, damn near. And then you could almost branch off after, you know, oh, for after sure. getting, well, you know, do that for maybe the first season or so. And then, or maybe yeah. even season and a half, I'll give it. But then after that, branching off into almost a wide-eyed kind of way about it, where he you could take a little bit here and a little bit there, and then also build upon that in your own way. Oh, yeah, in the same way that... Uh... Dark Knight, like the Joker is the event that's going on throughout, but while they're dealing with that, they're also essentially playing off of, you know, the long Halloween and shit, you know, where they're going after the specifically the crime bosses and stuff like yes, that. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it, it just. Yeah. Oh, I get you. I, I understand completely where you're no, coming I... from. And, and like that. And that's the thing. Uh, 100 bullets. It's very, 
it's very noir style you know uh it's uh it's got a very like i wouldn't it's not full sin city frank miller type of artwork but it is uh a little bit similar to that it's funny you mentioned some of the batman storylines because i feel that the artwork is at least slightly reminiscent of some of the darker storylines yeah, there's a definite there's a definite influence. You can see that. I mean, especially, you know, something like Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. You know what I mean? That art style. It's very very similar. Cuz just cuz it's like it makes sense for the time because like Dark Knight Returns came out in what, 86? Yeah. Yeah, 86. So, and 100 Bullets premiered in, you know, 1999. So, it just makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Do you have any others on your list at all? Just because I only have two more, so I, you know. I have okay. one more. I have one more. Um, I, uh, the last one I have is uh, Vertigo. It was uh, published from 2002 to 2015. There's 150 issues of it. And that is Fables by Bill William. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Fables is basically, to sum it up, uh, it is... Take your typical fairy tale characters like Red Riding Hood, the Big Bad Wolf, uh, Snow White, Cinderella, stuff like that, and throw them in exile in New York in the 80s, and you have Fables. And it is incredible. They actually made a telltale game based off of Fables called The Wolf Among Us that went for one season unfortunately and you know because then telltale shut down before they got to season two just a fucking shame. but uh yep agreed but yeah fables is a, it's it's got you know there's there's mystery to it there's comedy there's uh you know there's horror elements it's got it's literally a mishmash of everything and it's really enjoyable and uh i mean plus you get to see your favorite fairy tale creatures saying fuck you so that i mean who doesn't and like we've that? we've already covered a little bit or have we about uh Twisted Tunes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that, for sure. You know, hearing Wendy the Pooh as fucking Darth Vader making dirty jokes is just, it's a thing of beauty. But anyway, anyway, yeah. um, the last two that I have are, um, they, they're kind of related in a way, in, you know, very loosely, if for no other reason than the subject material. Mouse? And I killed Adolf Hitler. I know about Mouse. I don't know about the second one. For those who don't know about Mouse, though, uh, it really, it depicts the author interviewing his father, uh, who is a Holocaust survivor, and then really just portrays the father's experience as a Polish Jew in World War II. Yeah, and it's done in an it's it's done in uh, we're talking about yeah. mouse, right? It's done in an allegory of uh, the Jews are basically mice, and uh, the Nazis are cats, and, and the Poles so, are pigs. Liter- you have a yeah, and you literally have a game of cat and mouse. You really, you really do. It was published in I believe eighty six, uh, if uh, I'm correct, and the artwork it's it's almost like. One of those where you just kind of get this feeling of, what the fuck am I reading? Oh yeah, it's uh like because like that's the thing, and what's what's weird is it uh, it doesn't shy away from the true graphicness no, of it. The, the um, subject matter is just so fucking dark 
and just right in your face as far as what it's talking about. I mean, it's, it's literally fucking gut-wrenching at times, you know, when you really look yeah, at it. Yeah, and, and, and what's weird is What's weird is because it's it's done with you know animals instead yeah, of humans in a, a black and white comic it, strip almost kind of way. Yeah, it's uh, it, it kind of it, it it doesn't you you would think that it kind of tones down the uh, the effect of like you know the violence and stuff like that, but it does no, not. No, no, it really doesn't. I mean the the artwork itself on just the face of it looks like Steamboat Willie or Steamboat Mickey or whatever the fuck it was called. Or even even a fucking like even like uh, like a family circus, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like it's it's very it's very cartoonish. But then you look but at what it, it talks is still... about in the source material, and you're just like, holy fuck! It's a it's a weird read, but goddamn, is oh, it interesting? Yeah. Which is why it's on the list. Uh, another one that made the list uh, is like I said, uh, I killed Adolf Hitler, which it. Follows a contract killer who is paid to travel in time to go back and kill Hitler. But the thing is, he fucks it up, and he's stranded in 1939, while Hitler takes his place, goes forward in time, and then he basically, you know is able to get off scot-free in a way for absolute yeah. fuckery to all humanity in just every fucking way until that sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun actually it's it's interesting because it's like it doesn't it, it plays off of what you know what the, the easiest route would have been right which would be like him going back in time and killing hitler and then dealing with the consequences of yeah. killing hitler like that's what that's I like that they you know just from what you have described because like I said I haven't read it but I like that direction where it's like no no Hitler goes to the fucking future yeah, like it, you know oh and by the way everyone in the goddamn comic is a fucking dog oh perfect <laughs> I mean and the, the perfect the art reminded me as a child of the eighties and nineties it reminded me. Of a very basic, almost dumbed down in a way, as far as artistic style, Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. You know, I mean, the the eyes all are, are just those white circles, and you know, I mean, it's it is it's a very basic version of that in as far as the way things are drawn. But I mean, yeah, it, it has a moment where one of them gets his brain splattered all over the fucking restaurant wall. And in its own way, it's just like, holy shit. And, you know, for a short that was published, not, I mean, you know, more recent than a lot of my picks, and, you know, some of yours even, in 2007, it was interesting. That's, uh, I don't know exactly, in, with something like that, you really don't know how to uh, describe it, but um, in, interesting I, I, feels yeah, like I, it's I, even an understatement. Yeah, I will most likely check that one out. You know, I mean, in all honesty, just because it sounds interesting, and like I said, you know, like the using the allegory of, like, making them into dogs instead of humans, yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I, I'm actually kind of glad I saved that one for last, because you had one earlier that I hadn't read, and now I've given you one to check out. 
Uh, jokes on you. The, jokes on you. This is a pre-recorded message. Please flip the tape over to hear the rest of the Son episode. Son of a bitch! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's all I had on my list. Uh, you know, you, that's as far as I know. That's all you had on yours. And uh, you know, yeah, and you know what? Let, you know what? Let's 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 try and let's try and get some uh, some audience interaction. If you fuckers have some comics that you think should be read before people die put them in the comments like if we didn't mention them put them in the comments and we will we will cover it on a future episode of user submitted ones and we'll actually you know we'll we'll do our best to go through and read some of the ones you suggest and give our thoughts on them and uh you know if we start getting some some audience interaction for once you know and it's something that isn't just sporadic like it's not just a oh yeah they piped in this week and then they fucking go off and do their own thing and we don't hear from them for about another two or three years if we start yeah. getting some audience interaction on a constant basis i've got something up my sleeve that uh, i think they're gonna like uh, a giveaway here or there that uh <laughs> i'm not gonna do until i fucking hear from them so uh balls in your court guys yeah but uh but yeah other than that you know that i think that's that's gonna do it for this episode yeah, as always you can uh catch me at, at the fickle fanboy rpm on twitter and at the fickle fanboy podcast on instagram and uh holler yeah, at you boy yeah you can find me on twitter at rev jess underscore fl radio you can find my podcast the church absurd on all your favorite podcasts if you haven't if you haven't uh, listened not to really... it, give it a fucking listen by now god damn it it's great just be prepared not for the easily offended or and uh definitely not safe for work if you want to check out the network itself uh you can go to at fat Lulz radio on twitter and on facebook uh you know for updates and shit uh, you can check out all the other Fat Lowe's radio shows, including this one, Unseriously Serious, The Designated Drinkers. Uh, you can contribute to one of, one of our projects, The League of Infuriated Nerds, by sending an email to fatlowsradio at gmail.com with subject nerd rant in the title. You can send us physical mail, including me and or RPM, at uh, P.O. Box 1235, Campton, Kentucky, 41301. Just keep in mind that's checked once a month, so do not try to catch me there, because you won't. <laughs> the authorities uh, but, have uh, tried, yeah, folks. You, the authorities you, have tried. Yeah, if you so, if you do want to uh, send something our way, uh, we will definitely appreciate that. And uh, if it's sent to RPM, he will get it. If it's sent to me, I will get it. But regardless, other than that, uh, you know, be sure to be on the lookout for our upcoming project. It's a movie podcast called Acclaim and Shame, where we look at two movies: one that's critically acclaimed, one that's critically reviled, and we determine if the critics are right. Other than that, you know, I think that that'll do it for this episode. Uh, but thank you guys very much for listening. Absolutely. We appreciate you. I fucking love you, bastards. And uh, without you listening, we wouldn't still be here. I want you inside me, listeners. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I I don't know if I'd, I I mean I love them, but I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, you know, think think about the kind of people that have to be listening to this shit. I mean. Yeah, they, they, they've got at least something going on mentally that uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily something that I can catch, but I don't want to chance it. Oh, and I also I forgot to plug one specific thing. Um, I am actually going to have an article featured 
in uh, El Hordano Diablo's wrestling magazine. It's uh, called Wrestle Void. You can follow them on uh, Twitter at Wrestle Void. And uh, basically, I, I did a little article for their issue four when it comes out, uh, basically about the struggles of being a fat wrestling fan. So, you know, be on the lookout so for that. Being one of what I would imagine has got to be at least 86% of uh, wrestling fans all over the world. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a it's more of a comedic deal. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, you know, I, I basically make myself up to be this pompous douchebag, but it is Wait, what it is. Was uh, that much of a stretch that, for you? But hey, yeah, other yeah. than that, folks, I I think that's yeah, yeah that'll yeah. do it. Oh, let's see here. Yeah, we, we've covered social media. We we, we covered the subject. Yeah, I think we're all done here, folks. Uh. This has been a Fat Lowell's Radio production. To hear more shows like this, go to soundcloud.com slash Radio. And for now, we'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing you.